Awesome. All right. Well, welcome everyone to the People's Podcast. Uh, and we are here with some special guests. We are going to be talking about a potential revolution in social media. Uh, and so we're here joined by some of the founders, creators of the Panquake platform. Um, and we're going to be talking about the context uh, behind, you know, what's motivated them um, to create Panquake as a social media alternative. What's happening, you know, what's been kind of the evolution in social media? What's the political context that it's situated in? And what, uh, what, what separates it from the existing social media companies? Um, and what could it potentially offer um, and, and, uh, and, and bring us? And so I'm going to hand it over to uh, Annalise. Of course, I'm Nick Brana, National Coordinator with the People's Party. Should have said that from the top, but joined by Annalise, our Advisory Council on the People's Party. And we are happy to be here for this uh, episode. So yeah, Annalise, I'll hand it over to you to introduce our guests. Thank you. Yes, my name is Annalise Garcia. Super happy to be here with you guys for another episode of the People's Podcast. So I'm going to introduce our guests uh, first. He is the founder of the Yale Privacy Lab, um, which, by the way, my favorite college professor of all time is from Yale. And he did this class on death, which was amazing. I can't remember his name right now, but we'll talk about that at some point. Uh, he is also the principal researcher at ExpressVPN Digital Security Lab, and he is a privacy advisor at Panquake. Please welcome Sean O'Brien. Hey, Sean. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thank you for being here. And of course... We have a journalist, activist, and the founder of Panquake. Please welcome, all the way from Russia, Susie Dawson. Hey, Susie. Hey, Annalise. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I know it's like 5 a.m. over there, so we really, really appreciate you taking the time. I know you must be exhausted. <laughs> That's cool. It's a pleasure. All right. Awesome. Um, so I guess the first thing I, I really wanted to ask about was I want to start with you, Susie. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got interested in the world of social media, and what led you to this moment of deciding to create Panquake. Um, I became an activist in 2011 during the Occupy movement, and social media played an absolutely vital role in allowing us to circulate information that obviously was not available through mainstream channels. But social media also allowed us to connect with other activists all around the world, to organize and to collaborate and to share information with them. Um, and it was really in many ways the backbone of the international organizing of the Occupy movement. Um, as an activist and journalist in a variety of movements since then, movements, particularly anti-surveillance movements against the GCSB in New Zealand, um, also TPPA No Way, which was our movement against the Trans-Pacific Partnership um, and a whole host of pro-whistleblower um, movements and um, events since then. Social media was our voice. It was our ability to educate the public. It was our ability to uh, reach across borders. And it's just so vitally important. But unfortunately, our ability to communicate has been under persistent attack. Uh, by corporations, by governments, by security agencies. And the increasing tide of censorship that has been a direct response to, to our activism and organizing activities and to independent journalism and media as a whole um, has been quite successful in suppressing in our information. 
And where we have people taking risks, like whistleblowers and independent journalists, really putting themselves on the line to get the truth out there, it is completely unacceptable to me to sit by and do nothing as their voices get suppressed. I said at the launch event for Panquake.com back in January of this year, that to me, it's one thing to take the brave decision to take risks and subject yourself to danger in many cases in order to circulate vitally important information. It's another thing entirely to take risks and not be able to circulate that information. And so Panquake is um, securing the future of communication for vitally important information that otherwise the public would not be able to know, see or hear if we continue to be constrained by uh, the suppression that we face from corporate platforms. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, and, and Sean, I wanted to ask you as a security expert, you know, there's, so I, I, I've been talking um, over the past few months about how there's been this culture over the past, you know, one or two decades where we just want everything for free. And people are starting to wake up to the fact that if something is free, you are the product. Right. Um, and they're starting to understand the value of their data. And they're starting to understand exactly what it means when these companies mine that data and then either sell it off or, you know, whatever nefarious shit they do with it. Um, and so I do believe that there's now there's a cultural shift beginning where we're starting to value our privacy again. And we're finally understanding that we don't want to be the product anymore and that maybe it's worth it for everything to not be completely free in order for us to have some control over our, our lives. So as a privacy expert, what is it about Panquake that is different? Uh, what is it about it that drew you to it? And, and how do you think it can improve the way we do social media? Well, certainly, I think you identify um, one of the most significant problems with the current sort of modern internet, um, if not the most significant one, which is that uh, people are using these services with the idea that they're getting something for free, um, but they're obviously selling themselves, right? Um, and that trade-off, um, if it's a trade-off at all, right? Most folks are not even really fully aware of it and certainly aren't fully aware or even able to consent to the type of surveillance uh, they're under. Um, you know, I mean, I was talking about privacy as autonomy. Um, you can make choices now, which will have a far-flung effect on you in five, 10, 15 years down the line, right? Um, when you're going to do things like, you know, apply for a job or, you know, um, and being active politically obviously means that you are um, a target potentially and likely <laughs> um, and, uh, having lack of privacy on these platforms has a real serious effect. Um, Panquake sort of gives us the opportunity to um, fulfill um, sort of the dream of the earlier internet. Um, it really excites me because it harkens back to a, a world where we can actually have a platform where we actually get our speech out there to the folks we want to hear it. Um, we're able to use tools without fear of surveillance, certainly, but also without ads being pushed into our face, um, without manipulation of our user experience, right? Um, so I'm certainly excited about the privacy and security opportunities, um, starting with you know the no ads promise, which we are very, very serious about, right? Um, but also 
we want to respect users. We want users to actually use a platform where they're not seeing content and they're not sure why they're seeing it, right? Or um, they know when they send something out that it's not going to disappear or that replies to it aren't going to disappear or that they're not going to be shadow banned in some other way. Um, and Panquake certainly uh, provides that sort of um, very serious respect, um, starting with the transparency of having an entire record um, in a blockchain ledger of the activity and interactions on the network. Um, so that's very awesome stuff. And we're basically you know, taking that early promise of the internet, that hopeful, wonderful uh, opportunity that being networked together and having a conversation across the world, across the globe, um, starting with that promise, but also um, correcting some of the ills of the past and uh, of the current uh, state of things. We can use modern, um, very cool, very cutting edge technology to not only fix these things, but take everything a little step further. Um, some other things which we're planning for the the uh, for Panquake, and again, we're very serious about it, are making sure that users have control over their own information. Um, we don't want to know who you are. We don't want to store information about you. We want information to flow through the network, flow through um, the servers on the network without caching that stuff, without building user profiles. Um, so we're really building the platform for the average user as well as um, whistleblowers, activists, et cetera. Bringing us back to the early days of the internet is such a good way to put it, Sean. I was uh, lucky enough to spend a couple hours with uh, Sean and Susie uh, getting a tour of Panquake and some of the new features. And I definitely want to talk about that. Um, but uh, uh, you know, we also spoke a little bit about how the early internet is so revolutionary because of the way that it interconnected people and that allowed people to connect outside and to communicate and to share ideas outside um, of the kind of mediation of, uh, of, of major corporations of television. And so it wasn't one-way programming. It was people actually being able to speak to one another. And then that was formalized in, you know, in online kind of public squares, um, which are the social media companies. Of course, what's happened since then is that um, you have, is, is that the establishment, Wall Street, um, Silicon Valley, um, they've realized that big moneyed interest, um, both of the political parties, you know, uh, anyone who basically is not served by this system that exists in the United States or the status quo um, economically and politically uh, is that uh, having, having that amount of communication, that kind of coordination, that kind of organizing allows challenges that they were did not face before, such as Bernie Sanders, for example, having worked on the Bernie Sanders campaign, when Bernie launched his campaign, he started at 3% name recognition. You know, when he had those first like early rallies where he got 5,000 people that really blew up his campaign, took him to 100% name recognition, made the DNC have to cheat to stop him. It was really social media all along that enabled and the internet that enabled um, the, uh, the, the new organizing model, the crowdfund based um, donations model, uh, the new communications model, the way of getting your message out. And it was really, I think, in 2016, I would love to hear both your takes on this. Um, it was really, I think, that it, it, in 2016 that the establishment realized what a threat the ability, uh, uh, that, that ability to organize in a novel, unprecedented way was um, to, um, to their power and to the status quo. And so you saw the fake news kind of you know, mantra emerge after that. You saw the tightening of, uh, of social media companies 
Um, I remember when um, uh, uh, social media uh, movement, social media groups uh, like the anti-media um, were able to get just enormous uh, reach, multiple millions of followers on on um, on on Facebook, and just enormous um, reach. Uh, I think it was reaching tens of millions of people a week, um, and and that has been collapsed to such an amazing degree. And then that has only kind of um, taken an even sharper turn after, of course, the 2020 election. Um, um, and so I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about uh, about that context. And I think it's, you know, it's kind of like there's an effort from big tech to turn the Internet back into television, one way programming. You only see what we want you to see. Um, and so I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that and how Panquake um, fights that. Yeah, so I mean, I think certainly the example you identify um, is a very appropriate. Um, I always point out that not shortly after uh, the printing press and the ability for people to read things in their own native tongue, especially on paper, right, um, there were book burnings. You know, you had books and then you had book burnings, right? So there's sort of this push uh, by folks uh, in power um, to gain control over systems that they think have gotten too powerful for ordinary folks, ordinary people, right? Um, we certainly have seen that um, in the last 10, 15, 20 years even um, on the internet where it, it has um, the ability, of course, to allow um, normal everyday people to reach a wide audience, to allow for movements, to allow for conversations, hopefully, right? Real active dialogue, not just being forced into some sort of artificial environment um, where you're, I don't know, sort of manipulated through a timeline. Um, so that's the technology that I think we want to embrace. Um, I want Susie to sort of talk about the features that Panquake has because they're totally her brainchild. Um, but we have designed stuff into uh, amazing new features into Panquake um, that go far beyond our, our privacy and security promises and that sort of thing. Um, but they're really uh, features that are going to empower users, not only respect them, but give them a microphone that they otherwise wouldn't have. So Susie, if you get into some of that stuff, that would be great. Sure. So, I mean, as a freedom of information activist, and we have 30 um, volunteers and, and full-time staff members working on Panquake, all of whom are freedom of information activists, privacy activists, um, we uh, absolutely, the core focus for us is protecting the user um, and having transparency for the platform and privacy for the users of the platform. Um, but of course, that we would still want the platform to be fun. We want it to be cute. We want it to be accessible to the mainstream. And that's why we've got the whole pancake theme across, which Nick and Annalise have both had the chance to see. Our, our application interface is very cute, very accessible, absolutely gorgeously designed. Um, and that's for that reason. We do want this to be something that serves everybody and not just activists um, or content creators, but also the audiences. Um, and the public at large. Um, we also knew that we could quite easily build some really powerful new features for social reach. And we could create functionality in the platform 
which instead of usurping users' time and addicting them to the platform, would actually diminish the amount of time they need to spend on social media to perform the tasks that they want to do on it. So we have employed techniques like what we call altruistic gamification, where you can earn things and gift things to other users, which will help them to boost their content and to penetrate um, their audience with uh, key information. We in particular have built something called Thunderquakes. Thunderquakes are pre-scheduled messages that are, um, we have an internal currency of Thunderquake points and that currency can't be purchased for dollars. That currency is earned by users for performing basic actions and then the Thunderquake points are gifted to accounts that they really love. So in the case of Movement for a People's Party, supporters of the movement can gift Thunderquake points to MPP. MPP can then schedule these special Thunderquake messages. And when they schedule those messages, a notification goes out to every single follower of MPP and says, hey, MPP has scheduled this very special Thunderquake message. It's gonna fire off next Tuesday at 5 p.m this is the message, would you like to help spread it? And if the follower says yes, they would, then on Tuesday at the appointed time when the Thunderquake message goes out, that message just won't just be published to the MPP timeline, but actually simultaneously published to the timeline of every single follower who opted into supporting the circulation of that message, even if that follower is offline when that appointed scheduled time happens. And this means that you as a supporter of MPP can dramatically increase the reach of MPP's messages because now MPP's message isn't only publishing to one timeline followed by however many people, but it could be, it could be published to thousands of timelines simultaneously. So that's just one example of where uh, the act of gifting something to an organization that you care about can help that organization to spread vital messages far and wide. We also have an amazing curation feature called Panquakes, and that of course is what Panquake is named after is that functionality, where in just a matter of a few clicks, you can select any quakes, any messages on our platform by any user that you choose to or your own and then you can stack those into a stack, which we call a panquake. And when you do that, when you hit the stack button, it kicks you up a link, a shareable link. And you can take that link and SMS it to someone, email it to someone, post it on Facebook, post it on Twitter, put it wherever you want to on the internet. And it, when someone clicks on that link, they arrive at panquake.com and they see a timeline pre-populated with only the messages that you've selected. So MPP has some big event coming up. There's a lot of cool coverage from different people covering the event or quotes of speakers at the event. You can select the best content from that event, stack it into a single link and put that link anywhere on the internet. And whoever clicks on that link is gonna come and see just the best content that you've selected for them to see from that MPP event. So it's a couple of examples, but there's another one that for me, I know would save me a ton of time and it will save probably a ton of people at MPP a lot of time too, because I'm sure that there's a lot of manual retweeting of the MPP timeline going on by people who work for MPP. And you can 
waste a lot of time actually sitting on Twitter going retweet, 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 retweet every day to copy over content from your organization or your groups onto your personal timeline. So we've developed something called Lovequake. And Lovequake allows you to, in exactly one click, turn on a function where all of the content posted by an account that you trust 100% to only post content that you want to see on your timeline, to have that content blanket copy to your timeline, again, even when you're offline. So for me, as a WikiLeaks supporter, I can click Lovequake on WikiLeaks timeline, and every single thing that WikiLeaks posts is going to copy to my timeline without me ever having to sit there and uh, do manual actions in order to copy over that content. And then even if I'm asleep or I'm out to dinner or I'm doing whatever else, WikiLeaks uh, content is still going to copy to my timeline and be visible to all of my followers. So we've really tried to keep it fun. We've created a bunch of new features that don't exist on any other social media platform. All of those features are based around the concepts of goodwill, giving, relationship building, really feel good interaction between people to increase um, the, just the relationship building between people, just allow them to, bringing people closer together and allowing them to collaborate and strengthen each other's abilities to, to um, expand their social reach and, and spread their messages. Um, and while at the same time respecting their privacy. And I just want to be really clear because it's something I get asked a lot actually about our platform. Um, I get asked about what about if a corporation comes and signs up for your platform? Are they going to be able to get Thunderquakes? Are they going to be able to use these features? Will that affect or impact the regular user's experience? I want to be really clear that we treat corporations on our platform the same way as we treat Joe Blogs down the street. A corporation pays five bucks a month, Joe Blogs pays five bucks a month. Each of them get followed by whoever chooses to follow them. They can Their content will be seen only by people who choose to follow them. You will never have a corporation's content show up on your timeline on Panquake unless you have personally elected and chosen to follow that corporation and to see their content. So yes, they will be able to use these functions, but only to their followers. They can't ever get past their followers. They can't ever show up in your timeline. There's no paid boosting of content. There's no ability to purchase some higher grade of subscription. It is a perfectly flat level playing field. Someone today told me it's very egalitarian and I thought that was a fair comment actually. <laughs> we believe we believe that everybody should have the same ability to spread messages. They should have the same fair shot at building a following. Yeah, which like I think, by the way, I want to read um, some some uh, chats from some of the people watching right now. Um, so Jeannie Schmidt says, it will be so great not to be the product and not to have our relationships disrupted and manipulated. Um, bringing back humanity to the online social connection. Uh, great work, MPP, and totally right on points, Nick, about people realizing and taking back their power because of social media. Uh, Panquake is here to assure this gorgeous t-shirt and Elise. Why, thank you. You can go to peoplesparty.org and get one yourself right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, and honestly, guys, everybody that I've talked to about this is 
is it out yet? Like, they're so ready. And I, look, I'm not speaking for the People's Party. I'm not speaking for, I'm speaking for Annalise Garcia. I am so excited about this, you guys, because like, we need options. We need something different. We need something that doesn't allow all of this BS content to get spread out just because CNN or Fox News posted it. But, you know, everybody else gets censored. And I want to talk for a minute about the censorship because I personally experienced that. You know, I uh, had my YouTube channel for the Annalise show. And it's really funny because as soon as I started talking about the People's Party and Julian Assange and like all these things that I'm not supposed to talk about, all of a sudden YouTube terminates my account. Not suspends, but like completely terminates it saying that it's dangerous content and they wouldn't go any further than that. And that's how I started streaming on Rockfin. And so I am personally so excited for us to have options like Rockfin, like Odyssey, like Panquake, because we're having situations like, for example, Status Coup um, and Jordan Cheriton, they had footage from the January 6th uh, incident at the Capitol and they had, you know, sold that footage so that other outlets like MSNBC could use it. And somehow YouTube decided that that footage was dangerous on Status Quo's channel, but not on MSNBC's channel. So there is some really clear bias and censorship going on here. So what do you guys have to say to creators who are looking for a safe place to actually create their content without being censored? What is Panquake's stance on censorship? Well, I, I think certainly um, what you point out is correct, right? Um, activists, creators, artists, um, thinking people around the world who have really looked at the problem of control of the information system, right? Um, they've been talking about, we've been talking about for a long time, um, control of the information system. And that conversation, I think, especially in the late 20th century, uh, primarily focused on, you know, these huge uh, corporate conglomerates, right? Monopolies uh, controlling things like television and radio um, and shaping news that gets printed and so on and so forth, right? Um, but the social media platforms, what we're now basically newly calling big tech, right? New, uh, big tech is uh, certainly a term that hasn't been around very long. Um, terminology like uh, uh, surveillance capitalism, which is what Shoshana Zuboff um, writes about. Um, those terms are, are brand new to our vocabulary, right? Um, but at least for the past 10 years, um, we've had intermediaries, um, which we're now calling big tech, inserting themselves into the information system, um, controlling the conversation, becoming intermediaries for nearly everything we do. Um, and having smartphones, having internet connected devices everywhere, um, certainly having cameras built in everywhere has sort of changed um, our relationship with these intermediaries um, to the point where they have a massive amount of control. Um, censorship is a big part of that, um, but I also always like to point out um, that there's also manipulation and control of the conversation, which we wouldn't necessarily call direct censorship, right? Um, but it's just sort of allowing acceptable conversations on a certain part of the spectrum, um, shaping what people read, um, shaping what uh, uh, sort of directing conversations and directing who people are connecting to and who they're not connecting to. Um, and those kinds of things are as insidious, um, as terrible, as traditional, just uh, more blatant censorship which I think we're, we're also seeing a lot more of. Um, certainly with uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic, a lot of these platforms have um, 
shifted to um, artificial intelligence moderation. And it became a lot more blatant for a lot of people, right? All of a sudden, um, people are seeing much more serious spanning happening in an automated way with unaccountable software, right? Uh, as the only, you know, mechanism, uh, you know, the, the, they'll report something and not get a reply. They'll not know exactly why something happened or didn't happen, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, where Panquake is concerned, I think there's a few things um, built into the design of it, um, which certainly you also see on some of these alternative, uh, I like calling them replacement platforms, um, like the Rockfins of the world and, and, and so on. Um, certainly we um, are much more serious about allowing people to have conversations, um, not doing the kind of moderation and, and censoring that you would see in big tech. But we also are having conversations um, that are opt-in. Um, and that's an important thing, I think, to sort of emphasize. Um, people are going to see uh, what they want to see in Panquake. Um, they follow someone, they see their content, right? Um, they look up a topic, they search for a hashtag or some sort of topic. They want to talk about, I don't know, turtles or something. Um, and then they will <laughs> see content about turtles. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's the kind of um, baseline sort of uh, um, rules that you can build into a network when you're not interested in manipulating people. We don't care about dwell time and eyeballs on advertising, and we're not trying to send somebody down some sort of rabbit hole so that we can serve up some ads to them, right? And when you're not doing those things, you can allow people to decide for themselves exactly what they want to see um, and, and don't want to see. Um, so I think that's something we've taken very serious in the sort of architectural design of the network um, from the get-go. And I think in some respects that separates Panquake um, as well from some of the alternative networks too. I think we're breaking the secrecy paradigm. Wherever you get this nefarious activity by corporations or governments, it's always predicated upon their ability to maintain some secrecy around their actions. And I talked earlier about platform transparency and what that means for Panquake is that we are exposing our actions as a network to our users and allowing them to judge those actions. So when we moderate any content that is illegal on our platform, there is a public record of that moderation. You know whose account we moderated, what message we moderated, what we did to that message, when we did it to that message, who did it to that message, and why we did it to that message. And you can't say that about any other social media company that I'm aware of right now. Um, they constantly censor users, they constantly moderate content, they shut down accounts, suspend and ban people, and you don't know when they did it, you don't know why they did it, you don't know any of the details about that. Um, and so we're trying to just turn that paradigm on its head, allow the users to see what's going on that would otherwise be behind closed doors. But at the same time, like I said earlier, giving privacy to the users. We don't need to know about them. They do need to know about us and what we're doing and how we're doing it. And so we're making sure that they have that visibility. That's a Which really I, admirable. Oh, go ahead, I would Susan. just add, I just add, I'm so sorry that that also extends to 
uh, public uh, information which the user intends to be public and actions which the user takes. There is a permanent blockchain record. If I follow Annalise, Annalise can click through and see the block record that proves I've followed her. If I unfollow her, there's a block record to prove the unfollow. So that's going to get rid of this constant manipulation of followings right now. On Panquake, if a thousand people follow you, you know that they've followed you, and the, those that follow account is not going to be not going to be manipulated by us. That is admirable. That's an admirable transition in transparency um, uh, that comes from building it on the blockchain, and that's one of the things that uh, excites me most about the prospect of Panquake. Um, I I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention just some of the incredible people who have gotten behind the idea and, um, and the concept of Panquake, um, and, and some of whom are actively working to build it or to promote it, um, including uh, Bill Binney, the, um, the, the NSA whistleblower and ex-technical director, um, Christine Assange, uh, Julian Assange's mother, Garland Nixon, um, a friend of the movement, uh, Graham Elwood, Jimmy Dore, uh, Lori Love, uh, Lee Camp, Nico House, Peter Lavelle, Ray McGovern, and of course, Sean, who's right here with us. And so it really is an amazing group of people, uh, many friends of MPP here um, who are standing up, many friends of the People's Party um, who recognize the simultaneous importance of having um, an electoral alternative that is free of corporate money, just as, and the profit motive, and just as it is uh, necessary and important and, and vital um, to have a social media and information infrastructure and, and communication system that is likewise free of the profit motive and of control from big corporations. Um, and so uh, I wanted to, uh, well, Annalise, you know, do you, do you have any other, any questions you wanted to ask? Yeah, well, one of the things that, you know, I wanted to ask you guys about was your, like the way that MPP is going to, or MPP, you guys are MPP, the way that Panquake is going to be structured um, to make sure that everybody has access to it. So can you guys tell us a little bit about what are compassionate accounts? Sure. So compassionate accounts are um, an opportunity for uh, users to basically uh, spend more money, purchase accounts um, for other folks. Um, if uh, someone is not able to subscribe to the platform, and we know there are a lot of folks um, who are in a rough situation, certainly with the pandemic, um, also in the global south and in, in other places um, where it may be difficult to scrape up $5 uh, to be on a social network. Um, compassionate accounts are going to allow those users to um, basically apply for an account. Um, we'll look at that application and then we will basically gift them those accounts, which are really gifted downstream, right, from other users. Um, so it's very cool stuff. Uh, we've spoken to a lot of folks who say, yeah, of course, I'll spend, you know, 10, 15, $20 a month um, instead of five. I'd be happy for other folks um, who uh, really need that account um, to be able to uh, interact and be paid for. Um, so that's an incredible thing. 
Obviously, you know, we have a subscription model uh, because we want to be upfront with our users and we're not selling our users. We're not selling data about our users. So it is really important for us to have a, a sort of upfront business model, right? But we do understand that folks need to have access um, regardless. Um, the other thing that uh, you can do as well is gift accounts. Um, so, you know, if you have a family, you can also, of course, pay for your family's accounts um, or your friends' accounts and things like that and gift those accounts directly to an individual that you know. Um, so I really expect that to be a killer feature. I really expect a certain percentage of the network, and we don't know what yet, but I'm, I really think it's going to be a, a pretty high percentage of the network is going to be um, either compassionate or gifted accounts or some combination of that. And I think that's something that's, um, that I don't see anywhere else with paid platforms. Uh, so it's another area that Panquake is definitely in, uh, innovating once again. So the focus on one one. Thing, sorry, Nick. One last yeah, thing I ahead. wanted to ask about that. I just thought about it, um, and I, I'm really curious about. There are certain countries where it is very difficult um, to get on certain uh, platforms, right? For example, I have family in Cuba. I was born there, and it is very difficult for them to access certain things. Um, is Panquick going to be accessible to everyone, no matter what part of the world they're in? So we are going to try our damnedest to make sure that's true, right? Um, we're thinking very seriously from an architectural standpoint about censorship circumvention um, from, from that level, right? Um, making sure that we can have users who get around country blocks, um, having alternative ways to access the network, um, such as, you know, um, tour versions of, of the sites, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we are looking at the architecture that way. Um, certainly, it's going to be a bit of a battle. It's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, pancreak.com is going to need your help, your support, your donations, right? Um, we are, in a very real sense, building a model here that is not only very decentralized, that is not only focusing on the user and also peer-to-peer -peer style interaction between users. Um, we're not just building some social node and some centralized server somewhere that's sitting on you know, my shelf here in the United States, right? Um, or some provider somewhere like Amazon AWS or something. We're staying away from all of that. Um, we're making sure that we're putting our infrastructure in the most privacy respecting and also, um, you know, difficult to um, circumvent places in the world such as Iceland. Um, and uh, we will, of course, have to build um, all kinds of tricks and tools and somersaults uh, to try to make sure people in places like Cuba, um, in places that even have low connectivity, right? If you're in the middle of a war zone and you need to get information out, we want you to be able to do that. Um, so uh, we're hoping we're going to have a lot of help on that from sort of affinity groups, activists, other folks who see what we're doing and really want to support what we're doing. Um, and I think as we start to deliver the platform to people, as people start seeing it in action, as we continue to have these kinds of conversations, um, there will be a lot more of that. So, Yeah. And by the way, the professor, I remembered his name, it's Shelly Kagan. No, I, I don't know yes. her. Uh, I will he say has, maybe- He has this great course on death. And I was okay. like, I was in the middle of like realizing that I'm gonna die one day. And so I like just had to watch his course on YouTube. And I was like, oh, thanks Shelly, I feel better. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say it might be easier to teach about death than it is to teach about cybersecurity, which is what I taught at Yale. Um, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, um, Nick, go ahead. <laughs> 
I was uh, wondering a couple of things um, that that came up uh, when we spoke, um, and that I know people, you know, people are always wondering. Um, and so the first is, okay, the, you know, it sounds amazing. Like, you know, uh, what's the timeline? When's it going to be ready? What are you anticipating? You know, and I know there's a lot of uncertainty. A lot of it depends on how quickly you can fundraise and bring people on board. Um, and another question is. How do you build in as much resiliency as possible into the corporate governance structure and the legal control over the entity so that it doesn't, you know, it, it can't be sold, it can't fold, you know, because um, I think that people uh, are, are very much looking for something that they can confide in, that they can say, you know, okay, this is going to be the thing. And I know that the creators, I know that the founders, you know, aren't going to turn around one day and they, whether they want to sell it, you know, and so I know that you've built in mechanisms into your uh, constitution to avert that. Um, and of course, on top of the dedication of all of, of each of the, you know, the commitments of each of the people involved um, as, uh, as, as whistleblowers, as people who've devoted their lives um, to, um, to these causes. And so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about both of those. You wanna take the first question, Sean, I'll take the second. Um, sure. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think, um, we are moving much more swiftly than uh, anyone anticipated. Um, now that we have a full-time developer and, and other folks that we're bringing on to really work full-time um, on the product, uh, things are pro progressing very quickly. Um, actual timeline, Susie, I'd rather have you kind of nailed yeah, down. Okay, no problem. So this is easy for me because I was a delivery manager for major corporate builds in New Zealand. This is my literally my trade as a software development manager and delivery manager. Um, corporate builds are slow and corporate builds are expensive and corporate builds have giant budgets and they have giant problems because they do things very inefficiently. The Panquake team has been hand selected by me. Every single person is someone I've worked with before, either professionally in software development or in activism and journalism. And that has given our team an unprecedented cohesiveness. Um, everyone can rely on everyone else. Everyone works together extremely well. We have an incredible working environment on our project. But we also have had incredible and almost unprecedented support from the public. It was only January 17th when we pitched the public an idea that, of a project that we could create with their support. We estimated it would take us two months to raise the first $50,000 that we needed just to establish the core of the business, just to register the business, just to do the accounting and legal to set up the entity of Panquake. Uh, we met that target in three weeks, in 21 days. So we were ahead of schedule from that point. Um, we have then launched our second funding round, which was to recruit full-time developers to develop the beta product. Um, remarkably, we have got up to $124,000 already of the $167,000 we need. So we're at about 74% complete on that second fundraising round. The sooner we get to that 100% mark, the sooner I can hire the rest of the developers we need to produce the beta and the faster we will move. We had spectacular fundraising in April. Because of that, I was able to bring more full-time staff on in May. In May, we are currently we're 10 days ahead of on our production schedule. If we can push through to that 167,000, hit that 100% mark on the beta fundraising, um, the sooner it happens, 
the faster or the the more velocity our project will gain. So if you go and check out panquake.com, hit donate, throw five bucks our way or whatever it is that you can afford to contribute to this project, you will be helping to speed up the delivery. I am not someone who's going to break promises to the public and so I haven't given fixed delivery time schedules because for me as a professional software delivery manager, I base my delivery schedule off estimations. My estimations are based off the resources I have in terms of the number of developers and how quickly they can move through the tasks. So once I can complete this current funding round and hire on the additional developers, I will be getting completed estimations. I will have a much better idea of how quickly we'll move through the tasks and I will be able to set a firm delivery schedule. So it really comes down to how quickly we're able to get that financial support from the public as to how quickly we'll deliver the product. But I can tell you that a build of the scale and size of this enterprise in the corporate sphere is a three to $10 million build with a roughly two year time frame. Already, I can tell you for sure, we will be delivering in less than one year from the original campaign launch, just based on how quickly we're already moving through it. Um, that could be as soon as eight months if we can get through our funding rounds um, as quickly as I would like to. So that's where we're at in terms of delivery. In terms of governance structure, the product is revolutionary, the project is revolutionary, but actually the entire structure of our business is also revolutionary. From day one of this project, we've asked ourselves the really hard questions. How do we build a business that can't be taken down by lawfare? How do we build a, a product where we will never suffer a data breach of user information? Um, the answers for us were, we put the business in jurisdictions that are out of the reach of hostile forces. Um, we have registered in jurisdictions that are unable, where hostile forces are literally unable to launch lawsuits against us. So our legal structure is safe, our finances are safe. Um, we are hosting, as Sean said, in Iceland, which has a lot of data protections. Um, but in terms of making sure that there will never be a breach of Panquake user data and then published on the internet, the answer to that is simple. We just don't collect the information. We don't collect your, your full name. We don't collect your email address. We don't collect your mobile phone number. We don't collect your credit card information. When you pay your $5, someone's I can see is asking if you can pay by Bitcoin or other crypto. Yes, you can. Go to panquake.com. <laughs> Hit crypto and you'll see there's about 12 options there for crypto, including both Zcash and Monero if you're a privacy buff. Um, and the same with our platform, you'll also be able to pay your $5 a month via Monero or via Zcash or any of the other cryptocurrencies. And if you need to pay by credit card, we send you out away from our site to the merchant provider portals and you do your card processing there. And we have built our system very carefully in such a way that when you return from the merchant site into pankwake.com, you do not bring any of your personal data with you. We only get a notice that you have completed your payment. We don't know by what we don't know what type of card you used, what the card number is, we don't know your address, your phone number, nothing. And that's done very deliberately because we are making sure we will never ever suffer any type of breach of your user data because we don't collect it. 
In terms of our business constitution, we made a commitment as, uh, as the executive that we will not sell our company. We will not sell the shares in our company. No executive can sell the shares. Shares can be inherited only. And so there is a, obviously has to be a line of succession. Um, but there's also a line of succession for the code base, and that is that we are a free and open source software product. We are publishing the complete Panquake code base with our beta release. And that means that no matter what happens to us as individuals or as a team, as a project, the world will have access to the technology that we have built going forward for generations. There can always be other panquakes, other groups of people who pick up the torch and run with it if for some reason we can't. And that for us is the most important failsafe that we have is taking what we have built with the contributions of our donors and placing that into the hands of all of humankind so that they can progress and utilize it for years going forward. I do have a, a question from one of our viewers. Um, Vicki Adams wants to know, could you guys talk about what will be available for people who are blind or deaf? Um, yeah, well, certainly um, accessibility and uh, making sure that the product is um, useful and wonderful, uh, featureful for um, folks who have disabilities is a focus that we're very serious about. Um, we have actually uh, brought someone on recently um, who is an expert uh, and also a huge uh, disability advocate um, and has a lot of great thoughts about real world implementation, um, the kinds of experiences um, she knows and that other folks she knows in the disabled community. Um, and so we not only will, of course, uh, make sure that we're following the kinds of standards um, that a lot of folks don't follow, unfortunately, um, with accessibility, um, screen readers, text-only versions of functionality, and so on. <clears throat> but we're going to have someone um, who can give us direct feedback, who is very much dialed into networks of folks um, who have disabilities, who experience this um, you know, every single day, um, and can give us direct feedback on how to make uh, the product better in that way as well. Um, already in just a few conversations, um, it's certainly opened my eyes, um, and I think some other folks who are working um, on the project um, to some things that I would have never thought of. Um, so having someone who can give us that direct experience um, is shaping the product uh, from day one. And um, that I think is going to be a wonderful thing. Um, so yes, we're going to make sure that we uh, are, uh, we want the thing to be useful to everyone. We want also, um, I should mention, um, internationalization. Um, we're very serious about, right? Um, we don't want to create this sort of Silicon Valley central, you know, I mean, we're not in Silicon Valley, right? Um, we're a distributed team. Um, we're all over the place. We are freedom of information activists. Um, we want to have a real international conversation. Um, so we're serious about that as well. And um, we are bringing folks on who can help us to translate um, and, and have functionality um, for folks all over the world. Um, so certainly localization, um, internationalization, um, and accessibility are a big focus. You know, Sean, I, I promised these guys that I would give at least one spoiler. <laughs> 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 so I, I, I think I'll do that. 
talking about like delivery, we've tried to be really uh, transparent about our development delivery process. So on the last Saturday of every single month, I give a public presentation and I show all of the work that our production team has accomplished within that month. And all I give all updated campaign statistics. Ever I account for every last dollar we've been donated and how our social media platforms have grown and what we will be doing in the following month. And I am happy for you guys to um, kind of get the first peek at something that we have coming up at this Saturday's delivery meeting. And it's, it's specifically around internationalization and what Sean was just talking about. Um, Panquake is so invested in spreading information, particularly around censorship and the ways people are being censored and the, the corporate abuses against content creators and audiences at large, that we want to not just create a platform where people can circulate that information, but we also want to be a source to educate people about what is happening now in those spheres. So we have developed a new video platform and a new long form journalism um avenue that we are not just publishing in english but we will actually in the month of june begin publishing both in video and long form in english spanish portuguese german french and norwegian so panquake is going international we will be publishing content in six languages in the month starting from the month of june and we have some pretty cool familiar faces that many of you will know who will be uh fronting that material so there that you go you heard, you heard it here first <laughs> that is fantastic <laughs> people's party exclusive everyone <laughs> extra extra <laughs> you know the thing about people's party that really strikes me and also about panquake is and i, I feel this so strongly that um, this is about creating solutions. Um, I feel like, for I know for the last 10 years, I have been screaming to the high heavens about all of the problems in the world, really trying to alert people, hey, there's issues here, and trying to educate them about the issues and trying to get them to take action about the issues. But Panquake is really creating a tangible solution that people can engage with to what is a massive problem. And MPP does the same thing, right? I mean, we've known since Occupy and long before that the two-party system was rigged against everybody, that it is to everybody's detriment that this archaic paradigm is allowed to continue to dominate discourse. And MPP is providing a solution. And I very much feel like, um, that is the that's the next level of activation is to build solutions, build yeah. way for ways forward, create these bulwarks that people can uh, throw their weight behind um, and get together and become a collective force rather than just being disparate and siloed and isolated and. Um, we, I, th I think, was it Annalise or someone was talking to me today about our original launch slogan um, with. Panquake is we don't hope, we build, right? And by building, we gain hope. But it's the action of building that is the most important thing in creating those solutions. So that's why I really appreciate every single person who is spending their days creating those solutions just as you are and just as we're trying to do. And also every member of the public who goes and backs us in that, you're the ones who are empowering us to build and deliver this platform for you. It's your thirst for change and your um, participation that is allowing this to become a reality. 
I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think that that's why it's been so great to see uh, Panquake and to talk to you guys tonight um, because um, we're moving beyond, like you said, um, a kind of cynicism um, to creating solutions um, to actually um, create it. You know, what is the next generation going to look like of, uh, of social media platforms, of political parties? And so it is great to, to uh, kindred spirits in the social media uh, uh, realm. And, um, and it's been great getting to know uh, the platform. And I know that I'm not alone in the People's Party in saying that we're very much looking forward um, to the introduction of the platform. And so if there are any closing words that either of you want to share, um, like uh, where people can catch that update that you're going to make on Saturday and, um, and, and how people can follow the progress, please go ahead. Sure. I just want to make sure I echo uh, really quickly um, Susie's comments there. You know, I mean, so much of the conversation now that people are aware of the problem with big tech is about reforming Facebook or changing Twitter or somehow shaming the founders of these organizations into doing better. Right. Um, and we are building a replacement for that. Right. Um, and that's such an important thing to be doing, I think. And that is where MPP and I think our ideas definitely align. Um, if you want to learn more about Panquake, of course, you can go out to panquake.com. Um, the uh, fundraiser, the crowdfunder is at uh, gogetfunding.com uh, slash panquake, um, which of course you can also reach from the Panquake website. Um, go out there, support us. Um, your donations go directly into this work and you'll see we're very active giving updates all the time about the project. Um, we will be doing that delivery meeting um, tomorrow. Um, and we'll be doing that through our social channels, um, primarily our social channels you'll see on Twitter, which will announce that. Um, also, we'll be posting video on our website. Um, we'll be posting it to a number of different sites, uh, Vimeo, YouTube, et cetera. Um, so yeah, keep track of us. Uh, and I don't know the exact time, Susie, what time are we doing that tomorrow? I think the video will be released 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. West Coast off okay. the top of my head Great. yeah and um if you go to panquake.com and click on the tech section uh, and scroll down you'll see a whole video reel and you can see each of our monthly deliveries and um i think it's if people are super interested in panquake it's quite important to go back through those deliveries because i like people to see that every single month we've been keeping our promises every single month we come through on what we said we would do the month before and this month we get to come through on things even faster than I otherwise expected. I, I'm sorry, my that tortoise. <laughs> You're a turtle. It's a tortoise. Excuse That's me. That's why I turtle. But it's a tortoise. Um, he got out of his enclosure earlier, and he tried to knock down my video setup. So I thought I'd give him some screen time. <laughs> so when you said earlier, if you just want to look up turtles, you were speaking from like personal experience. That's Sean. right. I will be the first one. <laughs> ask Sean. Oh God, ask so Sean what else he's got living with him. Uh, you don't even want to know. A lot of animals, chickens, quail, um, all kinds. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, Nick, do you have any final thoughts before we close it out? That's all. Um, I'm, I'm just, uh, I really love the philosophy of altruism. I'm a big believer. Um, I'm, I'm a sociologist, you know, that's uh, by, by training. And so I'm a big believer that, um, that society and the incentive structures and structures that we create shape the way 
that we act. And right now we've put people into these, you know, platforms, these social media platforms and these political parties, just like the political parties and this economic structure that brings out the worst in people. And it incentivizes, you know, uh, whether it is the taking of big corporate money um, when you run for office or whether it is, um, you know, being sociopathic, sociopaths, uh, uh, economically, you know, the rising to the top that become CEOs, most likely to become CEOs, because you're, you know, you, you don't have any kind of empathy towards what it takes to do that to, um, to your work, you know, what, what you're doing to your workers. And so um, I believe that just as those incentive structures push people towards the worst kind of behaviors, that is a choice that we get to make. It's a choice that we get to make in our economy, in our politics, in our society, in our social media about the incentive structures. And so the thing that probably inspired me most was to hear um, Susie and Sean talking about the altruistic um, element and how uh, when you get a, uh, a, a um, uh, like a, a pan quake, when you get, uh, uh, when you get to kind of like spread your message out the most you you gift that to someone else you don't you know uh, you don't get to keep that and so um you get to support someone just like you know you can buy profiles for others uh just like you can have love quakes that that um share their content automatically kind of like an automatic retweet um that i find um that i find really inspiring because i think that is ultimately getting to the heart of where the solution lies to so many of our problems that is creating the structures that incentivize people that that align personal interests with societal interests when you have an incentive structure that makes it so that your personal interest to succeed personally within a certain system so whether it's social media politics economics is the same is to do what is best for the collective is to do what is best for for the majority that's when you get a better society. And that's what I see in Panquake. You know, that's what we're doing as the People's Party. Um, and so it's just been great to talk to you guys. And I look forward to following the progress um, and the development of Panquake. And, um, and, and thank you to everyone who's tuned in um, for, for a great episode of the People's Party to hear this. I know everybody's gonna be following too. So. Those are amazing. Um, this has, been, this has been a great, great episode. I'm, I really liked it. Yeah, and that just made me think, you know, who are our masters? Who do we serve? And in the case of MPP and the case of Panquake, our masters are the public. We serve the public. That's right. where our funding comes from, and that's right. the service that we provide is to the public. So our success yeah. is rooted in, in your support, and it's in how well we inspire your confidence to support us. You know, and that's specific, that, that is what keeps us honest. That's what makes for great platforms. That's what makes for a great political party, you know, and, and that's, yeah, that is the future. And Elise, anything else? <laughs> yeah, I just wanna say, you know, I'm really honored uh, to be uh, working with two organizations that are getting smeared by the same people. Uh, just feels really good, you know. It just feels like I'm on the right path. Thank you for letting me know, haters. Thank you for letting me know I'm doing well. And um, it's just, it's super exciting um, to see that we've had all these problems for so long and we've talked about the problems for so long, but now we're not just talking about the problems. We're coming up with solutions. And that's what it's all about. So I really encourage you guys, go to panquake.com, go to peoplesparty.org, support these organizations that are actually trying to break away from these establishments that are crushing all of us. 
and actually build something new that's going to bring solutions to the table and not just talk. And go to peoplesparty.org and you can get your People's Party shirt. Nick, show them your mug. You can also get a mug. All right. Show them your mug. <laughs> get a mug. You can get a mug. Go get that mug. All right. And I want to thank our guests so much. Susie Dawson, Sean O'Brien, and his tortoise. Okay. <laughs> thank you guys. So I do it. It kills me. Thank you guys so much. This was so great. This has been the latest episode of the People's Party podcast. And we will see you guys next time. Awesome. Here's Thanks so much. Starting sol thank new you. solutions and building fresh. Thanks, everyone. Have a good yes. night. Bye, everyone.